book of Hebrews starts out long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs what god communicates through the author of hebrews is something that i think all of us sitting here are aware of uh perhaps to different degrees but uh but all of us are aware of and that is that since since the fall of of mankind in the garden of eden and really even before that we as human beings have been in need of help from heaven that is that our creator that we would have fellowship with him that we were not designed to be self-sustaining uh in the truest form of what that means you know we in uh this part of the country we can kind of pride ourselves in being self-sustaining right we'll take care of ourselves and to a certain degree we can and and that and there's an admirable quality in that in, in that uh uh by and large folks in this area have a have a strong sense of responsibility for themselves as well as uh their friends and neighbors but in the ultimate sense of what that means we are not self-sustaining true we can't we can't make ourselves take the next breath it either happens or it doesn't we can't make our heart take the next beat it either happens or it doesn't the lord presides over every facet of our life and if he is not there the creator of the world holding all things together including our very being um it ceases you know we've been i think uh, as i visit with you and look around the congregation and uh one of the things i'm well aware of is that uh um really for for some time now many of you have been going through some some great challenges uh in your personal lives in your families um whether whether it's health related or something else and and um a great many of us in the, in the church family have have been wrestling through things and you know as as the church um we we look at these things and we go through these things not as people without hope but as a people with hope not as a people who are abandoned but as a people who have a shepherd and we go through 
them uh, because we have uh, a Savior whose name is Jesus Christ, who, is, uh, who was not defeated by death on the cross, but as the empty cross behind me bears witness to, he was buried and then resurrected, and he lives. And Hebrew says he lives now to make intercession for you and I continually before the Father. And Hebrews is well aware of, as it, the encouragement through Hebrews is to the believers, persevere. The believers that received the letter to the Hebrews, um, they were acquainted with the sorrows and the sufferings of this present life. Sorrows and sufferings that come as a result of the fall of mankind, the corruption of these bodies, the struggles that we go through in these bodies, um, and also the corruption of the spiritual world. That is, that there's a spiritual war being waged, and we are participants in it, whether we realize it or want to be uh, or not. We are participants in that spiritual war. And the, uh, and the people who received the letter to the Hebrews w- were in that war just like we are. They received persecution for believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to save them by His sacrifice. But as we continue on through Hebrews, we gain stronger and stronger encouragement to persevere as those who have gone before us have persevered and set an example of faith in Christ. And today as we open up into chapter 8, we're going to do a little bit of a uh, refresher of what we've learned about Christ up to this point in Hebrews. And there's a little bit of a transition that happens in the first couple of uh, verses of Hebrews chapter 8. And my hope is that today we will be even further convinced of how powerful our help from heaven is. Um, Because you and I are in need of it continually, minute by minute, every day. As we, uh, you know, have... Um, said goodbye for now to a brother in Christ, Jim Whipple, um, here this week, and um, have given thanks that that he no longer is walking through the sufferings of this world, but is more acquainted than he ever had been previously with the joy of belonging to God as his own. Um, I also just received word that we say goodbye for now too to another brother in Christ. Um, Joe Fromm passed away recently. Another brother that we will meet again in heaven as children of God. And then, as all of us uh, are well aware of the things going on in Moscow, um, 
the taking of life of those four students and and we feel the sadness um, of especially those families who have lost such precious um, loved ones. And we're reminded once again that we live in a world where things don't last forever. Where we live in a world where almost everything is temporary in nature. And where each one of us are um, uh, a breath away um, from eternity. And as we consider that, I say that not to be a, a Debbie Downer on things, but rather to steer our eyes to the place where we find grace and help and hope in our times of need. As Hebrews says, that we are to look to Christ to approach the throne of grace with confidence because we know that when we do so, we are going to find grace and help in our time of need. Hebrews chapter 8, if you turn there with me this morning. Brings a, a point of, of conclusion to things previously written and things that are getting ready to come right after this. And the conclusion uh, is not to be mistaken. In fact, the, 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 uh, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, the author says this in Hebrews chapter 8. Now the point in what we are saying is this. And don't you love that? Don't you kind of just appreciate sometimes when you're, when you're uh, having a conversation about something that somebody just says, okay, the point is, right? As a guy, I kind of appreciate that. Um, here's the point, right? Now, the point of what we are saying is this. So up to this point in Hebrews, the case is being laid out that uh, one, we know that we need help from heaven. And two, God knows we need help from heaven even better than we do. From his perspective, uh, we're in even a more desperate situation than we know we are in. And, and three, um, we have this help from heaven. And that is the really big point that is being developed here in Hebrews chapter 7 and which uh, um, we, uh, Randy and, and Matt uh, were both talking about the last couple of weeks that uh, who Jesus is. And we've been, there's the language in here can sometimes throw us a little off because it talks about Jesus being our great high priest and that not being language that we use a whole lot. Um, it is, it is good for us to know that when we're talking about the priest, the role of the priest, that we're talking about one who is an advocate and helper on our behalf before God. So he says, now this is the point in what we are saying. We have such a high priest. 
one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. So let's start out by just wrapping our heads around. There's, when, it, when it says, now the point in what we are saying is this, refers to things spoken before this. And then when he says, we have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, this is a, a cluing into what he's getting ready to develop even further coming ahead here in the next bit. And so there's a tying together here of everything before Hebrews 8.1 with everything after Hebrews 8.1. And this is the point. We have the help in heaven that we know we need and that Hebrews says we need. And we're going to take a look real quick here at uh, what it is that has been developed up to this point by way of showing us who Jesus is and why he is the only and perfect and sufficient and more glorious and better um, help in heaven that we have needed. If we look back in chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, it says, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Two of the things that this passage refers to is that one, we have help from heaven. He is a different kind of high priest, as you've been hearing for the last few weeks here. He's a different kind of high priest because he doesn't just come in the order of mankind, but rather from heaven. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He's from heaven, the son of God. And secondly, that we have a helper in heaven who is able to sympathize with our position with our condition. Not because he himself was a sinner, but because he went through the same kinds of temptation that you and I have gone through, and yet without sin. So he has gone through the struggle that you and I go through, yet he has remained spotless. And so it puts him in the very unique position of not only being able to sympathize with our weakness, as all priests were able to do that because they were all sinners, but rather he is able to sympathize and remain sinless, which also puts him in the place of being able to be the perfect one to represent us before the Father and the perfect one, as we're going to see, to give himself as a sacrifice for all. If we look in chapter 5, verse 7, It says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. We have a helper in heaven uh, who exhibited passion and reverence before the Father. 
Now, if you're going to have someone represent you as an advocate in any realm, uh, whatever it is, uh, in legal matters, if you had to hire somebody to represent you in legal matters, um, would you prefer them to be, to be passionate and honorable in their advocating for you? Absolutely. As opposed to somebody who phones it in or just goes through the motions? Well, this, these, matters of, these are matters of life and death for eternity, of God's judgment or life eternal. And this, at this point, more than any, we need one to represent us who is passionate and reverent. And we have such a high priest. Look down to verse 9. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. We have a help in heaven who willingly suffered to bring eternal life to those who would believe in him. Verse 10 then, being ordained by God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, points to him being established by God. Not established by mere bloodline because he was born to the right family, but established by God himself. Again, I reference John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And then if you look farther along in chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, it says, We have this, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ is the one who gave himself, sacrificed himself on our behalf. We have help from heaven that gives us confidence to actually enter the places that were at one point off limits to everyone and now have become accessible to us in terms of us drawing near to God because Jesus has gone ahead of us as our sufficient sacrifice. If we look at chapter 7, verse 3, he is without this comparison with Melchizedek that you've been hearing about for the last couple of weeks. And it says in this comparison, he is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. And the point that was, is being made here that you've been really learning about isn't about Melchizedek at all, but really rather about the Son of God, who Jesus, Jesus Christ. We have a help in heaven who is eternal, not one who is bound by the limitations of the flesh, that is, that we live and we die. At some point, whatever role we have here on earth in this body, it will come to an end because we, we, we just can't um, muster up uh, living on and on and on forever. It's not within our power to do that. And so our work must necessarily cease at some point. It has to. But for Jesus... He doesn't have to cease. He is eternal. 
His sacrifice is sufficient. He represents us before the Father eternally. He's not bound by life and death cycles as all the other priests were. And as we look at verse 16 further down in chapter 7, who has become a high priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. You know what this points to? It points to the substance of our help in heaven. The substance of Christ. He didn't just check off the boxes um, on the the application form that would suggest he's qualified, that he'd gone through those hoops, that he had his college degree and he had his two or three years of experience and, and he had his... Uh, you know, verified training in X, Y, and Z. But his very substance of who he is qualifies him. Now, you, you and I both know that if you had to pick a person to, to help you out who on paper had all the qualifications or you had to pick a person to help you who had all the substance of what you needed, you'd rather have the substance over the piece of paper, wouldn't you? We have help in heaven who doesn't sport around a piece of paper, but who himself is the very substance of what we need. And through him, in verse 19, it says then, through him we draw near. In verse 19, it says, uh, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Verse 25 then, it says that uh, consequently he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. He never stops interceding for us. In verse 26, it says that For it was uh, fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He's holy, he's innocent, he's uncorrupted, unstained. He's not a sinful man like the rest of those who represented the people to God, but rather one who is himself unstained by sin. And verse 27 then goes on to say that he, is, he has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily first for his own sins and then for those of the people since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. And that is the capstone on, on um, Jesus being our perfect helper in heaven our perfect high priest, and that is that he was not just able to offer a sacrifice, but he himself is our sacrifice, and it was once for all. He is the only sufficient sacrifice for our sin. And then then when we get to verse 1 in chapter 8, it says, now we have such a high priest. We have such a help in heaven. This is who our help in heaven is. Now it transitions to what's, what's going to be spoken of here up through chapter 10 
and the role of Jesus becoming our sacrifice. And it says, we have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Now this is vitally uh, important for us to understand as it relates to this comparison of this talk of Jesus being our great high priest because the work of the priest was done when? Never. Never. The work of the priest was never completed. There was always more sin to be dealt with before the Holy One. And yet it says in chapter 7 that he offered himself once for all. Now the work of the priest was never done and so the work of the and so the priest never really got to rest sit cease from work. So when it says to us at the beginning of Hebrews and here again in chapter 8 that he we have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. It punctuates very loudly what was just said before in chapter 7, verse 27, when it says that he did this once for all when he offered up himself. And as if to do a sort of a mic drop right here, it just says, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Bam. There is no more sacrifice that we need. There is not a Jesus and scenario for us. As if it's, you know, we believe in Jesus and then we follow the rules and then we get into the kingdom of heaven. And then we become acceptable to God. It's not Jesus and we figure out how to overcome all these struggles that we have in the flesh. And then we'll be okay to go before God. It is Jesus Christ only for us. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but through him. There is no Jesus and it is Jesus only. His sacrifice is sufficient for us. Now you and I might not feel worthy of that. And I would say that's for good reason. We are well aware that we are not worthy of the sacrifice that Christ did for us on the cross. And that is the very point that is being made in Hebrews. That we were not worthy of this sacrifice. We did not deserve it. As Ephesians chapter 2 says, that it's, it's nothing that we did. We have nothing to boast about in salvation. Other than perhaps one thing which the Apostle, Apostle Paul points to, and that is that while I was weak, he is strong. While I'm insufficient and corrupted and unable to do anything about my condition, God did it for me through Christ. And so if I boast in anything, that's what it will be about. Is that I was a slime ball and, and God came from heaven to rescue a slime ball. Somebody who didn't deserve it. To bring me into his family as his very child. Even while the Bible says we stood against him as his enemies. 
He gave his life for us. And this, we have such a help in heaven, such a high priest who has so performed a sufficient sacrifice of himself for us that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. As uh, Randy said, that, that word minister there, it's a, a servant that he is, is serving you know, Jesus uh, taught his disciples about stuff like this, right? About being great. That the greatest would be what? The, a, the least. A servant to all. And he has set such an example for us in this. That not only has he given his life for us, but now then is continuing to intercede for us. Continuing to be a, to serve us, if you will as a holy and righteous and deserving king, continuing still um, to serve on our behalf in the holy places, which this is interesting, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. The true tent. What is that a reference to, the tent? We just looked at that in Exodus, didn't we? Do you remember when God gave him instructions to set up what, what they called a tabernacle? It was a place where God was going to make his presence known among his people. Um, so that they would always be reminded that they belong to him and that he is with them. That tent, the instructions were laid out, and we'll get more into that later here in Hebrews. It makes a bigger point of this. But that tent, God gave the instructions for the designs within that tent the furniture and things that would go inside of it, the compartments within it, everything, what they were to be made out of, uh, the materials that were to be used. Um, But who did the work? The people, right? Under the inspiration of God, we're told, that he empowered them to do the work, but the work was done by human hands. But here we have, so in essence, we have a physical tent that in the end is just a physical tent if God is not dwelling there among his people, right? And put together by human hands, and here it says we have a minister, a help in heaven, in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. So in other words, that tent that was erected in Exodus, it was not the true tent, but rather an earthly picture, a representation of a heavenly reality, and that is that God was sending his son into the world to, uh, to rescue us. Things that point us heavenward. I find it fascinating as we look into Revelation chapter 21, verse 22, that in what it's going to be like someday for us, that as we find ourselves in heaven for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, it says, and I saw no temple in the city. Curious that in the, in the, in the new Jerusalem, the, the new and perfect place where there's always been a temple, right? There's always been a tabernacle or a temple to go to. And what does it say? And I saw no temple in the city. 
for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Now, when Hebrews talks about the earthly things being a a shadow of heavenly things, this is what it's talking about. The purpose of the tent that they built, it, it wasn't that there was something special about the tent in and of itself. It was that it was the God dwelling among his people and it was ultimately to lead them to the place that they, we will find ourselves in here when Revelation plays out fully and that is that we are in the very presence of God. We don't need a place to go to to find help and worship but we have his very presence and he is the one that we are to go to. You know, before we get to heaven, 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul says that, that these uh, bodies we walk around in for believers, that this is the place where God resides in the Holy Spirit. It even refers to us, our bodies as being the temple of the Holy Spirit. And his encouragement is, so take, take care of it as if to make it presentable to him. That it would be a, a, a place worthy of, of him being uh, with us. To avoid the sinful things, the corruption, corrupting this temple that God owns and who lives in. When we're, this reference to the holy places here in, in verse 2, it says that Jesus is a minister in the holy places. Um, it reminds me, I, I've told you this before, I just think I, I'm never going to get over telling this story because it just left such an impact on me. But, but Jenny and I were fairly newly married. Um, we got married in Moscow. We moved back to Indiana. And we started going to this church. And, and I um, was meeting with the pastor. And, uh, and, and I was uh, pretty, pretty, I mean, just there's no way to beat around it. I was kind of arrogant and pretty sure he was going to be thrilled that he had me in his congregation. <laughs> and the first thing he said is, uh, I, I was prepared for him to ask me about, you know, how many ways I was going to be an asset to, to this church body, you know. And, and he said, do you have a job? Well, I didn't at that point. I mean, I was currently looking, but I didn't. And he said, well, the first thing you got to do is get a job. And he says, well, tell me, what, what, what are you, like, have you gone to school, you know, have you trained for something? And so I kind of laid out the things that I'd been studying and gradu- graduated with a degree and whatnot. And he reaches over t- for the phone and dials a number. And the next thing I hear him say is, yeah, let me talk to the highest person under, under God. I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's how you do it. I didn't know that. Well, uh, I got an interview like the next day, um, and but uh, I just there were many things I appreciated about about him as as our pastor. Um, that being one of them, that just kind of helped me do a bit of growing up in that moment. But um, but the the way I got an interview was because he was bold enough to just say, "Let me talk to the highest person under God." There. 
He didn't, mess, didn't want to mess around with talking to the person that answers the phone or even the manager of the place. He just said, I want the highest person under God, the highest authority that, that I can talk to, I want to talk to him. And in a matter of moments, I had an interview. We have a help in heaven who isn't on the outskirts of what's going on putting a good word in for us. We have a help in heaven who is himself seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty. When we talk to Christ, when we pray, when we fellowship with him, when we read our scriptures, which are his words, we, we are connecting with the very one who is right there where the action is taking place where the decisions are made, where the judgments are made, where forgiveness is granted, where life is given, where adoption into the family of God is finalized. And we have such a help in heaven. The holy places, that's where we go to find God, that holy place, the inner place that was formerly shut off from mankind but has now been opened up to everyone through faith in Christ. It's the place, the holy place, is where you would need to go for forgiveness. The place where you need to go to be right with God and the place you need to go to receive help. Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to close it down with this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, this is not the only time that Hebrews says something like this, but it is this encouragement. Look, sinner, myself included here, formerly, you were not allowed anywhere close to the Holy of Holies. Formerly, you were shut out from the presence of God because of your sin. But because Christ has given Himself for you and His blood has been applied to you, His sufficient sacrifice has made you now worthy, though you may not feel like it, has made you worthy to enter into the very Holy of Holies, into the presence of God. Which is why it says we go there through the blood of Christ. And we can go there and draw near to the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Creator of heaven and earth, to draw near to Him with a true heart in full assurance of faith. In other words, without fear, 
but rather with confidence that we are going to receive the grace and the help that we need. Do you need to get right with God? Probably a question you should ask yourself pretty seriously. Do you need His grace and His help right now? We have such a high priest. He's not like the, uh, you know, phone company that you call and then they have to put you in touch with somebody else and then they put you in touch with somebody else. Next thing you know, you're talking to the first person you talk to and having this long conversation and it's not like that in heaven. Our help in heaven is the, he is, he is the very one who sits at the right hand of the majesty. When you talk to Christ, you are talking to the one who is not the highest one under God. He is the highest God. If you need to get right with him, if you need to deal with some sin that you've been carrying around in your life, you go straight to the one who gave his life for you. Straight to the one who represents you before the Father. I know you guys have, uh, we've all been going through quite a lot of things in the past. Who knows, I suppose you could just say since, since 2020. There's been a slew of things that we've all been going through, some together and some individually. Um, but we know that we have a God who is with us always, and the activity in heaven is always bent towards helping us persevere through this life and arrive in heaven, as our two brothers in Christ have done recently. They're already tasting it for themselves, not from afar, but right in the middle of it. And one day, we're going to join them. In the meantime, we count our blessings this side of heaven, and we trust that the Lord is with us always, and we find our hope well-placed in him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy and your grace, and that even in the midst of the, the difficulties of this world, Lord, we know that you walk among us, that you are with us always. Your spirit dwells with us. That your sacrifice is always sufficient for us. Every one of us here. That there's not a one of us that your sacrifice was not sufficient to forgive. And I just pray for everyone here, Lord. For those who are struggling through some of the difficulties of being on this side of heaven, I just ask that you would give them encouragement, that you would give them strength to persevere, that you would bolster their faith in you, and help them to cling tightly to you, that they would celebrate the grace and the mercy that you have shown to us. And um, Lord, that for those who have been hesitant, that you would help them to take a step of faith, Lord, to, to surrender their life to you and have you fill them with your new life, to have, to have themselves washed clean of the guilt and the shame that they carry around and to have you fill them with the hope of everlasting life. Your own love. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Do you need help? Do you need help dealing with your sin before a holy and righteous God? Do you need help persevering through the days that you find yourself in and the ones that you stare at in front of you? Do you need help dealing with perhaps the ones that have come behind you? You have such a help in heaven. I want to leave you with Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth on that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to uh, just remind you that um, we're going to transition to our, our quarterly meeting. I know that's kind of a blah, kind of a way to wrap things up here. But, uh, but as a church body, we're going to gather together and, and uh, kind of make some decisions together. And so if you would like to be a part of that, if you're a member of the church, please stick around for that. Uh, if you'd like to just stick around and kind of bear witness to that, you're more than welcome to do that. Lord, Lord, bless and keep you.